0: Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors.
1: Good morning, and thank you all for joining today. My name is Simon Phillips, and I'm the founder and chairman of CT Automotive. I'm pleased to open our 2022 interim results. I have Scott McKenzie, our CEO, David Wilkinson, our CFO, and our recently appointed COO, Stuart Lorraine, online with me today. So I'll give an overview of the H1 trading conditions, a review of the operational highlights in H122, and then a review of the last six months, financials, and general trading outlook for the rest of the year. So, H1 2022 has without question been one of the toughest six months over the past three years. Chip shortages, supply chain disruptions, China COVID lockdowns, inflation, not to mention the Ukraine war driving substantial energy cost increases. These events have kind of manifested themselves in a few one-off costs that have impacted our six months earnings. That said, what is clear is that the business fundamentals remains very much on track So with regards to H2, this is the period where the whole auto industry expects to ease back into a level of normality, improved supply chains, easing of chip constraints, and the ability to finally start to serve the well-known pent-up demand. So far in H2, we are seeing reduced volatility in schedules and an increase in demand. The recent appointment of Stuart Lorraine to the management team as COO is already proving to pay dividends with regards to significantly improved gross margins. Stuart will provide details on this later, but this will make a material difference to the business performance going forwards, initially in H2, but then largely in 2023. With regards to H2022 highlights, despite the changes outlined, there's been surprisingly been some really positive outcomes. I mean, H1 revenue beat expectations by at the $57 million, customer schedules continue to stabilize as supply chain issues eased. Container rates have fallen from their high point by at least 40%. And this is all improving our China competitive position. China, our main operational center, is not experiencing high inflation, soaring energy costs or labor shortages. And with regards to these key points, it remains incredibly stable. Substantial work has been done and successfully implemented on margin improvements. So operational efficiencies, we've been doing more vertical integration and the rationalization of our supply base. We continue to deliver on our growth plans as outlined in the IPO. The Mexico plant started production this week. We continue to onboard new customers such as Rivian, Tog, Farplaz and Ego. And demand in the auto sector remains strong, supported what is now years of pent-up demand. So reviewing our progression against the growth plans outlined during the IPO, Mexico plant is now operational and has started manufacturing covered finishers, air registers, and visor covers primarily for Nissan. This has now opened the North American opportunity, and we have multiple RFQs in progress. Freight cost reductions, duty elimination, and maintaining a low-cost-based supply was key to our global initiative. The Czech plant, the larger facility has now been located, is currently undergoing fit out and is expected to be online by the end of September. The improved balance sheet post IPO and working capital allows us to take a much more aggressive approach to opportunities. We are quoting multiple new platforms across our entire product range rather than singular components. The strengthened balance sheet and the appointment of Stuart Lorraine has resulted in multiple initiatives to improve gross margins. This is already yielding great results. Our estimation of 5% reduction in supply costs is likely to be exceeded. Value is already starting to flow through in H2 numbers. And then research and development. We've increased funding in R&D in two very specific areas. One, we're focusing on innovative new product ideas to improve cabin air quality and automation. And we're developing robotic assembly cells to reduce labour and further improve gross margins that we expect to come into Q1 next year. Scott, if I can hand over to you. Yes, thank you, Simon.
2: Hello, good afternoon. I'm Scott McKenzie. And what I'd like to show you on this slide is how we are seeing a return to relative stability in the industry schedules, something that was historically very stable. As was predicted, half one followed the trend of quarter four 2021 in a stabilising manner, albeit still at the lower forecasted volume due primarily to the continued semiconductor shortages impacting on the production volumes. If you take a look at the graph to the right, you can see that semiconductor shortages have impacted global supply volumes by close to two million units in half one, and what with the impacts of continued Covid lockdowns in China, and the war in Ukraine made for a tough headwind. What we have seen in this period, though, is that in month customer cancellations have reduced from what peaked at 37% this time last year down to 16% in half one of this year. This is demonstrated at the craft to the bottom. So, moving on to our UK plant. In early half two, the decision was taken to close our UK manufacturing facilities. This is something that was not taken lightly and was a combination of a number of factors, but primarily the inflationary pressures in the UK market, combined with labour shortages, created a very challenging scenario. And with our UK plant always being non-core CT business, we took the strategic decision to close the plant, to end the losses and to focus on core added value business. The plant had been retained for many years to support UK customers, despite the low level of added value work compared to the core operations around the globe. Working close with our key customer, who has been very cooperative throughout the process, we've ensured continuity of supply and a mutually beneficial outcome through to the last days on September the 30th this year. Okay, So just an update on China, obviously being our largest manufacturing hub. Through half one 2022, China continued to operate its zero COVID policy, keeping borders effectively closed and lockdowns are immediately put in place for even the smallest of outbreaks or detections. Thankfully, most lockdowns are short and relatively low impact. However, in half one, we did see the great Shanghai lockdown, which was more significant and created disruption to both inbound and outbound freight, thus creating delays in availability of materials and disruption to production. This disruption resulted in substantial air freight to maintain customer supply and ensure that the car plants around the world did not bring to a halt. There's been no significant costs incurred in half two due to these disruptions so far, although we are currently experiencing a disruption to production in Ganjo due to citywide lockdown and the risk of further lockdowns and disruption always remains. What I would like to make clear is that despite the above challenges, there are still some very competitive advantages to China. For example, in general, inflation has remained relatively low at less than 3%. Energy inflation is much lower than what is being seen in the Western world. Wage inflation is stable and no higher than historic rates. Continued freight rates reductions of almost 40% of what it was at the back end of last year. And also some key optimism in that the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, is holding its five-yearly Congress in October. There is some strong speculation that in order to stave off a protracted economic downturn, COVID curves may begin to be eased. Thank you. Over to you, Stuart. Um, I'm Stuart Lorraine. I'm the CEO.
3: I've been with CT Automotive for about nearly six months now. Previous to that, I spent 25 years in uh, the automotive industry and Nissan and Renault and then the last 10 years with Parker Hannifin where i was looked after the supply chain and led the Clarko acquisition and integration for 3 years i was asked to join ct automotive to primarily drive the break even point of the pnl so new opportunity can be realized quickly the methodology for doing this is our main focus is on man machine material and method through significant improvement and change. We've developed three key pillars to drive this change. Internal costs, external costs, and cash flow. And what I won't do is go through each bullet point, but I'll give you some highlights from them. So if we look at internal cost, infantry spend and cost downs on bought out parts, this has seen a significant streamlining of our supplier base to drive this and increase leverage. We've made some small investments with payback of less than one year to improve regrind and reuse of sprues on raw materials. We've done a full capacity utilization study to ensure that we maximize our internal capacity before having to outsource. And this has yielded significant benefits on make versus buy. We'll also, as cash flow improves, make further investments to help our core business become more controlled internally. If we move on to the next slide, we also have inflation challenges. The markets have been very very disruptive. We see the Turkey market where currency and labor has had huge hyperinflation. Fortunately, our customers and major tier ones have been supportive of this and we've managed to put escalators in place which has protected the P&L. In all regions, raw materials and bought out parts have had significant volatility, and we've been successful in working with our customers to agree new prices in order for those raw material increases not to damage the fundamentals of our P&L. In terms of logistics, on sea freight, we're almost 100% recovering all inflationary moves in the market that have taken place through 2022, and we're now bringing the prices back down to help our customers and in almost all cases, our customers have been extremely supportive of the market situation. In terms of cash flow, payment terms have been absolutely critical to ourselves. We've successfully reduced payment terms with customers and extended where possible with our suppliers whilst not risking supply. We've reviewed our long term DD and tooling contracts and have de-risked these over the last six months and where necessary have requested the customer base to pay for that money up front. Stock obsolescence and slow moving stock has become very, very focused for us in terms of freeing cash flow. We've put initiatives in place which will improve the stock turns whilst maintaining on time delivery to our customers. As we move into FY23, we're further developing a centralized sales and procurement resource out of India. This is to drive faster response times to customers' RFQs, which are increasing dramatically in terms of volume, and also to give us a global view of materials and bought out parts, which in turn will allow us to increase leverage across our supply base. So in FY23, we will have a strategic approach underpinned by clear measures of success with the adoption of scorecards in each location and improved employee engagement. We feel that we're well-placed for growth, which is undoubtedly coming, whether it's through volume increases from existing customers or new project developments that will be awarded over the coming
0: months. Thank you very much. Okay, so if we now move on to some numbers. So I think as a start, we're pleased to report revenues of just over $57 million, which are higher than expectations. And most importantly, that's driven by an increase in production revenue, which is up 19.3% compared to H2 2022 which reflects the beginning of the recovery in automated volumes. That said, it's worth remembering we're still 14.1% behind revenues for H1 2021, as while the recovery has started, it certainly hasn't returned to normal levels yet. 2021 was a year where H1 was strong before the semiconductor shortage impacted H2. and Our expectation was that 2022 would be a mirror image of that, with a slow start followed by a stronger second half. Our results to date, And current customer schedules indicate that's exactly what's happening. In terms of margins, we had some impacts in H1 which we do not expect to continue, including the UK plant losses and air freight costs that Scott explained earlier. On top of those, we've had to restate our Turkish results for a new accounting standard linked to hyperinflation and we made significant FX losses, of which a large proportion is unrealised and we expect some of that to reverse. When we allow for those impacts and present the underlying gross margins excluding them, After distribution costs, our margin was 21.6%, which is only 1.4% behind H121 when the business was trading at a much higher level of revenue and benefiting from the economies of scale that come with that. It's these margins that support the board's confidence that margins will continue to improve as volumes return, and that's even before we consider some of the cost-saving initiatives that Stuart's just talked about. Operating expenses are up though this is in line with expectations given the additional costs we're now incurring being listed and the new site in Mexico. Moving to the balance sheet, fixed assets have remained flat, though this reflects the investment in plant and machinery primarily for Mexico being roughly equal to the depreciation for the period. Inventories are also up, which is where we're refilling our supply chain and preparing for the increased schedules we're seeing through late Q3 and into Q4. Receivables have remained relatively flat, that one customer in particular made a late payment just after the period end of $7 million, which saw the figure reduced to what will be a more normal level moving forwards, given the reduced terms and recoveries that Stuart talked about. Overall payables are up, but trade creditors themselves are down as we've sought to reduce terms for suppliers that were extended prior to the IPO, and have also moved certain sourcing to new suppliers to achieve cost savings. The additional costs in H1, combined with the increased investment in working capital, have consumed a fair portion of our cash headroom. We do still have some headroom in our working capital facilities, but in order to secure additional headroom for the upcoming step-up in production, we're currently working on a refinance process with PwC, which we expect to complete within Q4.
2: Okay, so just moving on to outlook and summary, you can see how it affects CT on the global outlook scale. This can be clearly seen with our trading performance. Historically, we would outperform the global production volume trends, but in quarter two, 2022, similar to CT, volumes struggled, but are now really bouncing back into half two, which is what we expected to happen at the start of the year. And we remain very confident that half two volumes will be in line with the forecast. This is supported by semiconductor shortages easing and major players like TSMC and Apple have both made strong commitments recently towards the supply and indicate non-automotive demand is easing. As mentioned earlier, China production picked up rapidly in June 2022, following fully resumed production and government stimulus measures after the heavy impacts of the COVID lockdowns and restrictions throughout April and May. You can also see that the customer schedules are continuing to increase and become more resilient, with forecasts being stable through to delivery, and with this gives us confidence in the outlook for the group. For 2023, the very latest production forecast from S&P Global continues to forecast a recovery in global volumes and accelerating throughout the year. Out of this forecast in FY23, the makeup of the 8% increase is split pretty even across the three big regions of North America, China and Europe, and clearly shows that that pent-up demand is still out there.
1: So in summary, H1 revenue is ahead of board expectations, driven by increased production revenue. We're seeing continued market stabilisation with schedules showing recovery of volumes in H2. There's strong progress on margin enhancement initiatives outlined by Stuart earlier. We continue to deliver on the growth plans as set out at the IPO. And I think ultimately the end markets remain resilient which is underpinned by what is now two to three years of um, pent-up demand. And that brings us to the end of our presentation. Just to thank everybody for, for joining our, our webcast and you know, we look forward to talking to everybody again in the next six months.
0: PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.